Speech by Winston Churchill. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ginger Cucolo. Speech given to the House of Commons on December 10th, 1936. The Abdication of King Edward VIII. Nothing is more certain or more obvious than that recrimination or controversy at this time would be not only useless but harmful and wrong. What is done is done. What has been done or left undone belongs to history, and to history, so far as I am concerned, it shall be left. I will, therefore, make two observations only. The first is this. It is clear, from what we have been told this afternoon, that there was at no time any constitutional issue between the king and his ministers, or between the king and parliament. The supremacy of parliament over the crown, the duty of the sovereign to act in accordance with the advice of his ministers, neither of those was ever at any moment in question. Supporting my right honorable friend, the leader of the liberal party, I venture to say that no sovereign has ever conformed more strictly or more faithfully to the letter and spirit of the Constitution than His present Majesty. In fact, he has voluntarily made a sacrifice for the peace and strength of his realm, which goes far beyond the bounds required by the law and the Constitution. That is my first observation. My second is this. I have, throughout, pleaded for time. Anyone can see how grave would have been the evils of protracted controversy. On the other hand, it was, in my view, our duty to endure these evils, even at serious inconvenience, if there was any hope that time would bring a solution. Whether there was any hope or not is a mystery which, at the present time, it is impossible to resolve. Time was also important from another point of view. It was essential that there should be no room for aspersions, after the event, that the king had been hurried in his decision. I believe that, if this decision had been taken last week, it could not have been declared that it was an unhurried decision, so far as the king himself was concerned. But now I accept wholeheartedly that the Prime Minister has proved, namely, that the decision taken this week has been taken by His Majesty freely, voluntarily, and spontaneously, in his own time and in his own way. As I have been looking at this matter, as is well known, from an angle different from that of most honorable members, I thought it my duty to place this fact also upon record. That is all I have to say upon the disputable part of this matter, but I hope the House will bear with me for a minute or two, because it was my duty as Home Secretary, more than a quarter of a century ago, to stand beside His present Majesty, and proclaim his style and titles at his investiture as Prince of Wales amid the sunlit battlements of Carnarvon Castle and ever since then he has honored me here, and also in wartime, with his personal kindness and, I may even say, friendship. I should have been ashamed if, in my independent and unofficial position, I had not cast about for every lawful means, even the most forlorn, to keep him on the throne of his fathers, to which he only recently succeeded amid the hopes and prayers of all. In this prince there were discerned qualities of courage, of simplicity, of sympathy, and above all of sincerity, qualities rare and precious which might have made his reign glorious in the annals of this ancient monarchy. It is the acme of tragedy that these very virtues should, in the private sphere, 
have led only to this melancholy and bitter conclusion. But, although our hopes today are withered, still I will assert that this personality will not go down uncherished to future ages, that it will be particularly remembered in the homes of his poor subjects, and that they will ever wish from the bottom of their hearts for his private peace and happiness, and for the happiness of those who are dear to him. I must say one more word, and I say it specially to those here and out of doors, and do not underrate their numbers, who are most poignantly afflicted by what has occurred. Danger gathers upon our path. We cannot afford. We have no right to look back. We must look forward. We must obey the exhortation of the Prime Minister to look forward. The stronger the advocate of the monarchical principle a man may be, the more zealously must he now endeavor to fortify the throne and to give his majesty's successor the strength which can only come from the love of a united nation and empire end of speech this recording by ginger kukulup